0: and load this is steve days the steve day show and greetings happy friday welcome to
1: the steve day show we are live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast i'm steve Dace. he is aaron mcintyre he's todd erzin She's our good friend, Shannon Joy, New York State talk show host. We'll be talking to her more here in a moment for the Dace Group. But first, let us know what you think about what we think. You can email the show, steve at That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at steve Dace show. Like us on MeWe at stevedace. Follow us on Gab at stevedace. YouTube.com slash stevedace is where you can go to get sample clips of this show that you can watch and then share with others if you'd like. And if you don't want to do business with YouTube because they hate free speech, or at least our speech, then go to Rumble instead. Go to rumble.com slash SteveDaceShow. If you're looking for something fun to read... Don't buy this next book of mine, but if you're looking for something compelling to read, it's probably the book for you. A Nefarious Carol is out now. Uh, we have sold a ton of these, and thank you very much to all of you. I think it's an important story. It's what's going on in the hearts and the homes uh, of, uh, of for many of us right now and a lot of our countrymen. When you have a culture that is in the grips of a spirit of the age like ours currently is, uh, this is a necessary conversation uh, to, to essentially spy on. Uh, And listen in on uh, as the devil attempts to convince a scared, lonely young woman to join with him to change the world. From a certain point of view. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. It's the novella sequel to my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, which we are working on the script for the movie version of that as we speak. And if you've uh, had a chance to read the book already, listen to the audible version performed by my oldest daughter and I. Uh, Please, if you liked it, leave us a five-star review at Amazon because those help us uh, to continue to get the word out about the book as well. Of course, Friday means... Well, typical day. Uh, we'll have the dace group here in a moment. Next hour we turn it over to you with some feedback Friday. But if I would have come on here a few months ago, now eh, like last March. No last January. If I would have come on here last January and I would have said, Guys, they've got a a, a a great run at my Patriot Supply on toilet paper right now. Take advantage of it. You never know. You never know when you'll go to the store and there won't be any TP. You all would have said, that's nuts. And then it couldn't happen, happened. The next time it might be even something more essential food and water. That's why you want to check out my Patriot Supply that get their emergency food kit, four week food kit, 2000 calories a day. That you can get right now for 20% off with preparewithdace.com. Just go there. Preparewithdace.com, four-week supply of food so that the next time it couldn't happen here happens, you are prepared. It'll be delivered discreetly to your door in less or as little as two days. 20% off right now at preparewithdace, D-E-A-C-E, preparewithdace.com. It's time for the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by Home Title Lock. At a nice note from a listener the other day, viewer the other day, said, hey. Home Title Lock saved someone trying to scam one of my rental properties and uh, liquidate the equity. Uh, Thank you to Home Title Lock. So whether it's your own home, it's a rental property, Home Title Lock is there for you so that you do not get a crash course this year in home title theft. That's where thieves know that our titles are kept online. So they go online, forge your signature on a claim deed stating you have sold your home to them and then they take out loans against your home until all that equity can be gone, until that foreclosure, late payment notice shows up your bank. Your mortgage lender, your homeowner's insurance cannot protect you, but Home Title Lock does. And in the unlikely event that you still become a victim of home title fraud while under their protection, they'll spend up to a quarter of a million dollars to restore your title rightfully back to you. So go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Register your address to see if you're already a victim. And then while you're there, use the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. Let's get to issue one bleep lord nefarious says how many people are in the house of representatives i don't know 12
2: 14 the house uh, uh, no, no not no, the whole uh, country
1: 80 we assumed americans by birth okay. might do at least as well as americans by choice but can you name the three branches of government judicial. Yeah, that's one. Oh,
3: my husband's going to kill me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> However, um, the vast majority of people were stumped. Who is the chief justice of the United States Supreme Court? Do we have 9 of them? We have 9 of them and there's a chief. I don't know. History,
4: faith, and reason show the way. The way of unity.
1: We can see each other, not as adversaries, but as neighbors. He's almost leaving
0: town like a uh, an, uh, an autocrat, uh, ousted from power, heading off into exile. It's what a difference four years makes. He had a very impressive huge crowd at his inauguration. It's going to be a little pathetic, a tiny little crowd at Joint Base Andrews, uh, where he's going to say goodbye.
2: How do you identify armed militias who are intent on doing harm? But there's a broader societal issue that it's going to take many years to detox the disinformation, the lies, the hate that has been
1: spread. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people.
2: And there's also, I think, the possibility of reviving the Fairness Doctrine, which the FCC enforced until 1987, and which mandated some minimal standards of factuality and balance on the part of tv stations and since that's disappeared it's just been a complete free-for-all with all sorts of lunacy being fed directly
3: into the right-wing
2: uh ecosystem
3: do you think we need a, a 9 11 type commission to investigate and report everything that they can pull together and explain what happened
0: i do he is as we keep pointing out a religious man a man of deep faith only the second catholic to be elected president of the united states dr Rachel Levine is now poised to become the first openly trans-federal
2: official to be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. It's so exciting, and it it's so yeah. refreshing.
0: Those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool, it, I look, it's like almost extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America.
1: I've been listening to these inaugural addresses since 1961, John F. Kennedy, asked Not. I thought this was the best inaugural address I ever heard. We can treat each other with dignity and
0: respect. We can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature. 75, 74 plus million people
2: who voted for him. To heal is to remember. So not only do we have to remember our dead, we have to remember what brought us to this moment.
1: All right, first question. What was your favorite dose of backwashed shot of bile this week? Shannon, as the guest, you get to go first. Go ahead.
3: Well, I have to say, Mitch McConnell is such a weasel, but he always comes out smelling like roses. I mean, it doesn't matter. He he plays both sides. And just seeing him up there garbling his speech and just it's I mean, that's always annoying. But even worse than that for me was the uh, detoxing the United States of America of conservatives and people who question the federal government, people who dared to vote for President Trump or show up on January 6th to express their displeasure in what they believed to be um, a rigged election. Uh, This is very real coming from New York State. We have bills like A99 and A149 that actually do establish detention camps that empower the governor to seize New Yorkers, anyone, groups of people that he deems to be a public health threat and detain them indefinitely without a warrant, without due process, without the ability to call their loved ones and let them know where they are, without the ability to even obtain an attorney or counsel. I mean, so this is, this is very real. When you hear media pundits talking about detoxing the United States of a, a vast swath of individuals, then you should take note and understand the nature of the times that we are living in and how important it is to fight back with every breath in your body.
1: Is, is it another way of saying detox? Um, a cleansing, maybe. A
3: cleansing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then yeah. what do you, what would they use to, perf- do we know what form of showy, say, solution they would use to perform said detox? The final. Anyway, the final. Todd, your thoughts. Yeah.
4: I think, I think I like, although I, re- do you know the guy who said that about, Joe Biden's arms, he actually looks and sounds exactly like the guy. What you would who think. Voices Olaf. You can, shut your eyes. It's Olaf talking to you in his open Between arms. Between him it's, and Chris Wallace, I, mean, I,
1: I know there's evolving standards these days, right? But I was totally unaware, guys, that public masturbation on live television was permitted yeah. now, but apparently it is. Yeah, so, Je- tough to keep up with these things. Jeffrey
4: Tubin called and he's a little uncomfortable with what's going on. Uh, but I think it's that when Max Boot is talking to um, what's his face on uh, CNN about the fairness doctrine yeah. Anderson Cooper Anderson Cooper and you can just see the the gift the Joni Hill gift like this like no we're, we're actually got this down pretty good right now this is good we don't need the fairness doctrine being applied
1: across the board because Man, I'm we not didn't to remember when Max boot was a Republican yeah because huh? yeah.
4: we didn't pull this off. Because we were telling the truth about everything over here, okay? So, ixnay on the fairness doctrine.
2: Aaron, I think for me it was the uh, the montage CBS had this week of of just man on street interviews asking people just random basic civics question, and the one yeah. lady who was asked what are the three branches of government. I love this. It's so refreshing <laughs> I and know honest. What you're the only one that she could think of was the judicial yes, branch. Yes, and let's just be honest yes. that is the only branch of government right now, anyway. It's so,
1: unintentional self parody is yep. always the best. Right? I just
4: wish she would have said judicial, judicial, and judicial. <laughs>
1: yeah. Candy cane, candy coins. Yep. Yes. All right, that's good. Um, exit question on a scale of one to ten, with one being Joe Biden's prostate health. And 10 being the strength of Joe Biden's life alert. Rate this week's level of total depravity. Todd? 10. Shannon? 10. I'm at like a three. (laughs) This scale is broken. Perma ten or
3: perma one. It's one or the other. (laughs)
1: Uh, Let's get to issue two. The O'Biden presidency begins.
2: Joe Biden had his inauguration this week where
1: he called for unity. History, faith, and reason show the way, the way of unity. We can see each other, not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect.
2: We can join forces Stop the shouting and lower the temperature. That was right before he signed an executive order allowing dudes to have a spot on your daughter's sports teams and other executive orders mandating masks on federal property, rejoining the Paris Climate Accords, halting construction of the Keystone XL pipeline, and other matters. Also, the media thinks wrong think should be expunged from society. How do you identify armed militias who are intent on doing harm? But there's a broader societal issue that is going to take many years to detox the disinformation, the lies, the hate that has been spread. So much unity.
1: First question, folks, if what you're expecting from the O'Biden presidency, and and so why am I calling it that? Because I think this is essentially the third term of Obama. If we didn't have term limits, I think this is what a third term would have looked like. Or maybe even more uh, precise is if Barack Obama were running uh, seven to 10 years later, with how much further the left has moved um, the center to the left, what would he do sound like? Well, uh, you know, with full cognitive uh, ability, of course. Uh, I think that's what we're going to get. So that's why I've dubbed it the Biden presidency. Anybody, quick, before I get to the question, anybody object with that? No. No? Okay. Um, if what you're expecting from the O'Biden presidency were lyrics to a Rush song, which Rush song lyrics would they be? A... What you say about his company is what you say about society. B, cast in this unlikely role, well-equipped to act with insufficient tact. Or C, and the men who hold high places must be the ones to start to mold a new reality. Which of those three do you think most accurately describes your expectations for the O'Biden administration? Aaron, I'll begin with you. I'm looking over these again.
2: Man, this is a hard one. I think it's going to be C. Without without a firm resistance, not a hashtag resistance, without a, a firm resistance, meaning on the ground, as Shannon always preaches, local, starting at a local level, working all the way up to to the state level. Without a firm resistance, it's going to be, and the men who hold high places must be the ones to start to mold a new reality. Because as much as there is this dueling narrative on the left that we talked about a couple of times even this week, as much as there is that taking place where they have to figure out how to govern, how to govern um, with such slim majorities, the deep state, whatever you want to call it, the entrenched bureaucracy and the executive branch, executive fiat, is going to win the day without strong and courageous and bold uh, resistance at the local level. So I think it's going to be C. Okay.
1: Todd.
4: It's a, what you say about his company is what you say about society. And as we learned really quick on day run, uh, Biden's company is his quote, devout Catholicism. And how he's going to use that as cover and how his acolytes are going to use that as cover to do, I mean, burn the catechism to ash. I mean, half of it is gone already on day one. I, the, the rest of it's not even going to last the week. Um, but but that scam, that house of cards is um, and a society that is either willing to just call blasphemy or not. That's where we live right now. Shannon.
3: I think I'm gonna piggyback on what Aaron said. I, I, from my perspective, it, and it's C, you know, this Biden presidency is really a continuation of a decades long slide. And when I look at discernible policy outcome, what I expect from his administration, it really is a continuation of the Trump administration, which in my opinion, was a continuation of the Obama administration which was a, con- a continuation of the Bush administration which was a continuation of the Clinton administration. I mean this has just been we've been you know trading places DRDRDR for 20 some years and it has brought us to this crescendo to this point now where it doesn't matter, the D and the R doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what the federal government does, facts don't matter, reason doesn't matter, common sense doesn't matter, what he does at this point doesn't matter. The only thing that's gonna matter at this point is what we do as citizens from the local level because in in my opinion, there is, it's over, DC is over, the Republican party is over, it is a heaping, burning, smoldering rubble. Uh, we are gonna have to find within ourselves, courage, figure out what the heck we believe in and then have the courage to fight for it where it's being implemented at that local level. So I'm not expecting much that's different from the Obama administration than what we saw from the Trump administration, which delivered us the worst tyranny we've ever seen in the history of this country. And President Trump exits his office by delivering a commendation to Anthony Fauci, the man who single-handedly was responsible for the destruction of the economy, the destruction of our liberty, and essentially the destruction of his presidency. So we gotta get our heads on straight here and figure out and understand what we're dealing with because things are gonna get dark in my opinion. Um, I'm not scared, I'm not afraid. I just know what we have to do and it's the hard way. It's not the easy way with the hats and the concerts and the MAGA and, you know.
1: Let's do a little brief history lesson of the 21st century so far, okay? So in 2000, George W. Bush wins the presidency without winning the popular vote, something that hadn't happened in America since the late 19th century was considered absolutely scandalous, right? Uh, Can this be a legitimate government, right? And then 9-11 happened. 2002 midterms, uh, the Republicans end up getting total control of power in Washington, D.C., something they had not had. I think we'd have to go back. I think it was Eisenhower was the last time that they had that. Uh, 2004, George W. Bush wins re-election. He's the last Republican to win the popular vote. 2006, uh, Democrats uh, have, I think, pick up what, like 40, 50 seats. Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. Uh, and they end up winning the Senate. 2008, Barack Hussein Obama goes from a decade ago being community organizer to president of the United States. Democrats now have a filibuster-proof majority in the U.S. Senate and grow their House majority at the exact same time. They now have their largest amount of power in Washington, D.C. since post-Watergate. 2010, the rise of the Tea Party. Democrats end up losing the House. 2012, Barack Obama still gets reelected. After losing the House 2014 Republicans pull off one of the largest single election cycle swings in the in U.S. Senate history with a swing of nine seats. They grow their House majority recapture control of the Senate 2016 Donald Trump wins the presidency uh, over the course of 78,000 votes in the three total in the three decisive states republicans now have total control of power in washington again and nationwide there are fewer elected democrats in america since before the great depression more than 80 years 2018 democrats win 40 house seats and recapture the house republicans hold on to the senate 2020 democrats win absolutely everything trump gets 10 million more votes than he received before and yet we are told, anyway, he lost to a guy that got more votes, a dementia patient, who got more votes than anybody in the history of the U.S. presidency. So, those are the results, just off the top of my head, of elections in the 21st century, since the year 2000. What do those results tell you about the American people? Because they, we, here's, we know that here is, here's, the di- here's the symptom. The symptom is desperation, um, uh, double-mindedness, um, neur- neurotic right behavior. What's the disease? What's the cause of this, Todd?
4: Well, the plumb line of the people is ever-changing, and that's not supposed to be the case with a plumb line that is uh the first nation ever founded on a creed our closed hand principles are supposed to be the thing that binds all of us together and makes the state we're in and what you just laid out nearly impossible but uh, our our plumb line is just instead of a super ego our plumb line is our id It's just all over the place. It's childish, it's immature, and it's an immaturity has the luxury of staying that way in perpetuity because of our relative comfort. And that's a problem.
1: Aaron, what do you think? What's that wide, those wide swings of emotion? What do they tell you?
2: It's a combination of people looking to the wrong source of uh, salvation uh, vast swaths of society equally uh, um, increasingly so, looking to government instead of God, those things being switched. and amongst the people who do not do that or purportedly do not do that, i e the church, fearfulness, yeah, you're going to get to a lot of really dark places. If that is the lethal concoction that a culture drinks every two to four years. Now, there are a lot of ways that that's manifested in a lot of ways and a lot of blowbacks to that. But that's not what we're talking about. I think that's I think that's the main problem. I think it's a common the combination of of switching out God for government and amongst those who don't fearfulness.
1: Shannon.
3: I would say 100 percent fear. I think fear of the other side, fear of them gaining power. Each election cycle, we've given up both Republicans and Democrats. We've given up the truth. We've given up um, you know, our principles. We've given up so much because we are so afraid of the other side or we're so afraid of another 9-11 or we're so afraid of COVID-19. And so fear is dri- is driving this depravity because um, every time we do that, we allow more corruption, more depravity, more of the same, and it's this never-ending abusive cycle that we're in. That we can only break out of at this point, in my opinion, if we shed—we have to shed the parties. We have to uh, stop watching national media. We have to stop—not national media, but—but but obsessing over those national. Careful
4: standards.
3: now. I know. I, I didn't mean it that way. That's all right. That's I mean, okay. You, But but really, you know, stop with the fear porn, even on the conservative side. You know, I open up my Twitter and it's just like this is happening in Iowa. This is happening in California. This is happening in Germany. And I'm like, fear, 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 fear. What are we afraid of? Right. In order for them to implement Anything that Biden wants to put in place, you have to have local buy in. You always have. That's 4,000 years of human history. You have to have local buy in in order to implement what they're doing. And so we've forgotten about that because we've become so fearful of this other side. We won't talk to the Democrats in our neighborhood, we won't organize locally. And so we, it's almost as if we are in a, you know, in my opinion, maybe a good spot where that cleansing can happen, the good kind of cleansing where we begin to understand where our real power is. And we do need a national movement of localism. I mean, that does need to, that's, that's it. I mean, it, that's, we have to share best practices and learn from other localities and municipalities who are fighting back and resisting and using a constitutional basis for doing so. Uh, you know, case law, Supreme Court rulings. I mean, there are a million ways to do this. But you, we have to obliterate fear. Both sides, both sides
1: here's this could be its own segment and there's only like four minutes left but since you went there is the marketplace driving the fear or is fear driving the marketplace i mean we had canings in the u.s senate in the 19th century one of the impetuses for the republican party was a guy got up um and complained that neither the whigs nor the Democrats were really interested in doing a damn thing about slavery, and they 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 darn near beat him to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, but here's what they didn't have. They didn't have a full-time industry available to them on every screen that they can then also participate in, and the locals could as well, we, and I here I am now. Um, I mean, this is my meal ticket, obviously, but... <laughs> Are we are we feeding this fear, or is it feeding us? You know, is, yeah. is it the media or the message, or is it both?
3: I think it's I think it's the media, and I think that the you can still have a national uh, platform, a national message, but it has to be about what do you do about this? I mean, I got into this business. I was a radio fan for years. I was a Rush baby. Okay, I loved talk radio. I loved politics. I got to a point, though, with that where I'm beating my head against the wall saying, I know, I know the liberals are bad. I know the Democrats are bad. I know what they're doing to the country. I understand the grand scope here. I understand how bad collectivism is. I get it. I get it. I don't need to hear about it all the time. I want to know what to do about it. I want to know what to do about it. That's a message that you could take from a, a, a national platform and just deliver to the rest of the country. What do you do? How do you do it? How do you organize? You know, what are their tactics? What are their techniques? How do they take over your library? How do they get into your school board? How do you run for school board? You know, all of these things... That give people hope and it uplifts them. It keeps it gets them out of that space where, where they crawl into a you know the fetal position and give up. So there's definitely room for a national me- message, and I do think that people just need to be discerning with the national news that they consume. Okay. You know, I turned off uh, Fox News a long time ago. I, I subscribe to the Blaze, it, but we our media has to be better so that people can justify doing that. People need to make better decisions about what they're consuming. And and consume it in a way that is not going to eat their soul and okay. and right. drive them into, you know, apathy.
1: True or false? As a exit question. True or false? Joe Biden will survive a full term in office. Todd. No. False. False. Shannon. False. Aaron. False. You guys are all false. Nobody thinks he makes it four years. All right. Is it because age, obvious cognitive decline, so health, or outside factors? Age or outside factors, Todd? Age. Shannon? Aliens. (laughs) So outside factors. Aaron? (laughs) Uh, It'll be age. Age? All right. When we come back here um, after the break, we're going to spend... The majority of time we have on the legacy of now former President Trump what is the Trump legacy and does he have a political future we'll get to that and more when we return right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast
0: Listening to Steve Dace
3: on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: truth, no matter where it leads. The Steve Day Show. All right, back here on The
1: Steve Day Show on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Get back to the dace group here in a moment but uh, if you have put this off for far too long it is finally time to deal with that pain you've been fighting and struggling with from inflammation now hey if you've got an injury that's a medical condition go get real medical help but if you're dealing with uh stiff joints pain in the in the for me it's the hip flexor uh, knee uh neck Uh, Whichever you're dealing with here, those aching joints, the stiffness, a lot of that is because of inflammation. That's where our good friends at Omega XL come in. This is part of my daily regimen. That's the way that I push back on inflammation to keep up with a busy schedule and an active lifestyle, especially as I get... Older. Uh, backed by 35 years of clinical research, Omega XL, it will attack the inflammation that is causing your pain. And right now you can get started with a buy one, get one free offer. Order Omega XL now and get a second bottle for free. Just go to Omega XL, just like it sounds, omegaxl.com slash Steve, my name, omegaxl.com slash Steve, or give them a call. 800 844 4888, buy one, get one free. At 800-844-4888. All right, let's get back to the weekly look at the week that was. Our good friend Shannon Joy rejoins us for issue three, The Trump Legacy. Many think pieces
2: will be written in the coming days and months about just what drove Trump to power and what happened when he got it. But so far, Angelo Codvilla's piece at American Greatness takes the cake. Codvilla wrote a piece called Clarity in Trump's Wake, where he claims, quote, "...the United States of America is now a classic oligarchy. The clarity that it has brought to our situation by recognizing this fact is its only virtue." The entire piece is well worth reading, but here are a few experts, quote, In 2015, Americans could still believe they lived in a republic in which life's rules flow from the people through their representatives. In 2021, a class of rulers draws their right to rule from self-declared experts' claims of infallibility that dwarf Baroque kings' pretensions. Code Villa goes on to note the historical examples of institutions, big business, and government melding in mindset and worldview along with examples of that happening in the last century in the United States, to form what he calls a classic oligarchy, where the elite, if not formally, practically control all levers of power against the wishes of the people, acting with disdain for the lower classes. Quote, by 2015, the right side of America's challenge to the budding oligarchy was inevitable. Trump was not inevitable. Senator Ted Cruz had begun posing a thorough challenge to the stakeholders most Americans disrespected. Candidate Trump was the more gripping showman. His popularity came from his willingness to disrespect them loudly because the other 16 Republican candidates ran on different bases none ever had a chance. Inevitably, victory in a field so crowded depended on which minor candidate did or did not withdraw. There was never a head-to-head choice between Trump and Cruz. Trump's candidacy drew the ferocious opposition it did primarily because the entire ruling class recognized that, unlike McCain in 2008 and Romney in 2012, He really was mobilizing millions of Americans against the arrangements by which the ruling class live, move, and have their being. But Trump's actual peculiarities made it possible for the oligarchy to give the impression that its campaign was about his person, his public flouting of conventional norms, rather than about the preservation of their own power and wealth. The principal consequence of the ruling class's opposition to candidate Trump was to convince itself and then its followers that defeating him was so important that it legitimized, indeed dictated, setting aside all laws and truth itself. Godvilla then goes on to note numerous examples of Trump once he had attained power not actually using it to benefit the people who'd sent him to the White House, often to his own detriment. Quote, By the end of January 2017, it was clear that no one in Washington needed to fear Trump. By the time he left office, Washington was laughing at him. Thus, the oligarchy set about negating the 2016 electorate's attempt to stop its consolidation of power. Trump had assured them that they would neither be impeded as they did so, nor pay a price. Donald Trump is not responsible for the oligarchy's power, but he was indispensable to it.
1: That piece at American Greatness, just a phenomenal read, man. And I kind of summarizes what the last year of this show was like, where I went from I couldn't bring myself to vote for Donald Trump in twenty sixteen, where I felt like helping to lead the charge against COVID Stan, I was fighting harder for his reelection uh, than he was. he was. Um yeah. and <laughs> and and then ultimately with what we saw here at the end. I mean, look at look at the Uh, Look at the list. I read through all 140 biographies of those that were given pardons at the end. I mean, it's just like a swamp creature's greatest hits most of the time. A collection of cadre of corruptocrats like Kwame Kilpatrick. I grew up around that machine uh, in the state of Michigan. Um, And there's a great section in Code Villa's piece. It goes to something Daniel Horowitz and I have talked a lot about in the last couple of years, which is Trump goes on Twitter, antagonizes the left and says, we're coming for you. We're going to do it. Stay mobilized. They're doing it and then doesn't do it. And then we get all the backlash for what he said he was going to do that he never did. So we get all the backlash and none of the benefit. There's a whole section in there in Codevilla's piece titled The Dog That Barks But Does Not Bite. But um, so I would highly urge I've I've shared it on social media in the last 24 hours. I would highly urge everybody to watch it. But now it's you guys' turn for your thoughts. So, Todd, I'll start with you. What is the ultimate legacy of Donald Trump and his presidency? I said
4: this a couple weeks ago, and I'll stick with it. He's he's the Wonder Woman eighty four MacGuffin, whatever that Middle Eastern, Mesopotamian, Egyptian, wherever it was from, the idol, the weird rock looking thing mm-hmm. that ultimately was personified by uh, Lord Maxwell Lord. There, it, it's and everybody's wishes uh, upon. Uh, Uh, pop out uh, because of that thing Uh, it's how I went from not voting for him planned on not voting him for three years and then after 2020 hit and we were uh, ultimately in just like we were with the judicial appointment of uh, Kavanaugh Donald Trump was oafish ineffective not particularly good at his job but no one in American political history has been treated More unfairly than Donald Trump. He did a lot of things to help him lose. But the man that was pictured with all kinds of Democrats was a Democrat. Hollywood's types love to be around him is suddenly Hitler, a dictator, racist, racist. It's absurd.
1: It's utterly absurd. The, the Nazi that just let you harvest ballots right in his yeah. face and and knew it was coming, even warned about it. Yes. Even had his attorney general warn about what mail-in yes. voting would do, and then when the time came, nobody did. But on the other,
4: yeah. but on the other side, and still today, he's the thing saving the American church and holding it. You know, that's absurd too. Mm-hmm. It's been absurd at every turn with the guy,
2: Aaron. You know, I, I'm not really sure. I, I, this has been repeated often, uh, so I, I hate to do it again. I'm trying to think of a different way to say it. Um, I, I'm not really sure Trump actually has a legacy because he's always been the icon, the icon for you and me to the left. Alright, he, he represents, whether, like, whether you like it or not, and I don't, and I didn't quite a few times, especially the 4 a.m. tweeting, what, what have you. All of the blowback, none of the good stuff, as you, as you said there, Steve. But whether or not you like it, he has been used to paint all of us together. Alright, we're all now domestic terrorists. We're all now an ideology that must be expelled from society, thanks to January 6th. That was going to happen... Whether or not we like it, no matter how much we diss President Trump, if we, hur- if we hold on to any of his or any of his followers, tenets of conservatism, the way government runs, we were all going to be labeled as whatever they labeled him as. So I don't really think there is much of a legacy here because, because the legacy is really in the hands of the oligarchy that Code, Code Villa talks about that That's the legacy that's being left here now, if you want to say and you have multiple times that Trump has been a great clarifier, I guess you could call that the legacy but i I, I think what's being what's what's being revealed here is this oligarchy now that's not invaluable I- I- invaluable I should say that actually has has a lot of value because know thine enemy um but i I just don't think that there's much much of a legacy because Here's, here's the truth. I wanted to say that uh, I wanted to say that Trump's legacy was oh, what could have been. But with a guy like that, I'm not sure how how much we could have reasonably expected from him. He did some good things. Don't don't get me wrong, but I I don't think I don't think that he would have been able to really be the Samson figure just because of his own lack of internal, um, of, of internal, um, uh, uh, just of internal drive to be with us, if that makes sense, to be with us, to be truly inspired by conservatism.
1: So there's that. See, I actually think Trump's legacy is in the hands of you guys that are watching this right now.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You're going to decide what his legacy is. Yeah. Uh, if you go back to uh, you know your uh, political porn on Fox Hub, then this was worthless. All essentially, we then did what we just complained that Trump often did. You you brought in an outsider to to antagonize. The oligarchy as Code Villa put it or the swamp or whatever euphemism metaphor we want to use okay you 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 instigated a provocation with them got their ire up they went DEFCON 1 and then you all went leave me alone I'm baiting okay so we're gonna we're gonna decide what Trump's legacy was Um We're going to decide whether this was, hey, you know what, man? I just wanted one more uh, fling with the guy on the motorcycle. Mom and dad told me not to marry, and so I just hopped on for a ride. You know, we did some summer loving, but I got to get back to ride L high. Okay? You guys are going to decide that. Or you're going to decide if, you know what? Next time, we're going to get somebody who antagonizes you for, for all the same reasons he did, but, in, but now it's convictional instead of transactional. And next time, we're going to double down with somebody who's going to actually do this stuff and not, that we like and not just tweet it out. You're going to decide that. Because, you know what, we, ultimately, we ruined Reagan's legacy, too. Now, I'm not drawing a moral equivalency between the two individuals, but there's a bit of a situational one in two people that came from outside of the system the traditional uh, mechanisms of the system. But after the Reagan era, we just kind of went to, hey, you know, we're just part of a a political party now and let's just fall in line with that. And then we aided and abetted that party while it eroded everything, every advancement Reagan made on our behalf. So so we're going to be the ones that are going to decide what that legacy is. That's why the Reagan era was both a birth and a stillbirth, at the exact same time, it was both the dawn and a and a and a and a and a setting uh, or and a, and a supernova at the same time. That's why we have to keep going back and do Reagan analogies. That we're going to decide if that was the case with this. Was this truly uh, a, a was this truly a step in taking your voice back, or was this just a temporary fling? We got pissed off through a tantrum and back to the Fox Hub. We're going to decide that. I believe. Yeah, Shannon, what do you think?
3: Well, I think if you looked at the nation as a you know stumbling, bumbling, filthy alcoholic, just breaking things, you know, Trump would be the last shot that he took before he hit rock bottom, right? So I think that every hundred years or so, it just seems that we have to have this this battle uh, for liberty, and I think that the the tactics and of warfare have changed. I think now we're looking. Uh, it, it's a different type of warfare. It's psychological. It's it's emotional. It's it, you know information wars as opposed to uh, the wars that we fought. You know the Civil War, Revolutionary War, and in throughout history. And so, with with Trump, I agree with you that at this point, I mean, he was just kind of the last the the last part of this. Um, and what he's left in his wake is just a, a catastrophe. I mean we' we're, we're, we are at rock bottom. We are facing worse tyranny in this country today than than we saw from King George at the time of the revolution at the at this country's founding. I mean that's where we are at, at this point in the country. And if our goal is to find another singular leader, another Reagan, another president, to come in and save us again. If that's what we do, then we haven't learned our lesson and we're gonna have to continue through this. People need to understand the true founding of our country and the municipality and what Alexis de Tocqueville talked about in Democracy in America and what made America great was American people, diffused power, the municipality, the, the rotary, local government. People need to understand that that is where that's the, tr- the true maturity and that is the true fix in this country. And so if we go into we move into the Patriot Party and we join the Trump party party or, you know, he, he creates some media empire, more merchandising opportunities. And we just go through this, this cycle again, of looking for an idol, a, a God, a, a hero like figure to come in and take over the presidency and save us. Then we haven't learned our lesson, but right. if we have learned our lesson, then this could be the beginning of, of a new Renaissance in the United States of right. America That's right. and, and great hope for the future
1: and we will find so, out exit mm-hmm. question if the odds donald trump runs for president again in 2024 were a door song which door song would it be a love me two times like there's enough folks up for another run b the end our way of life is ending so 2024 is irrelevant c when the music's over trump's run is at an end or d break on through someone else has to step forward before demand for trump goes away aaron quickly b b aaron says the end our way of life is ending 2024 is irrelevant todd d someone else has to step forward okay shannon uh b b the end you b, agree yeah. our way of life is ending all right so but it could be good <laughs> which she just said it could be a good thing okay that's great uh <laughs> predictions we got less a minute and a half todd go
4: uh, I saw this online. It's just a terrible idea, but with all this transgender stuff, somebody who actually is frustrated with it, says it's a bad thing, still thinks maybe the best course of action is to just let people sign up for whatever sport they feel comfortable with, and that's the best way to sort it out. That's insane, but I bet people are going to rally to that.
2: Okay. Aaron? Aaron? Uh, I I believe that um, uh, WandaVision is going to set up the next iteration of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're going to find that out this week by realizing that uh, the Scarlet Witch is doing some really, really crazy space-time crap.
1: All right, Shannon, quickly go.
3: Uh, Buffalo Bills are going to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend, and you should all want
1: nope
2: <laughs> the
3: town that signed 50,000 people signed a petition to kick Andrew Cuomo out of the stadium Nice. So y'all need to be rooting for the Buffalo Bills
1: I like that uh, my prediction, the Fox News rating slide will not only continue but will worsen as the year goes on uh, because the main two topics its viewership cares the most about right now election integrity and big tech censorship are the two issues the Murdochs don't want
0: anything to do with
1: Shannon, good to see you as always take care Hour two is next.
0: The truth. Straight. No chaser. Steve Dace. On
3: the Blaze Radio Network.
0: And load. This is Steve Dace, the Steve Day Show.
1: And we're back with hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I want I thank our good friend Shannon Joy for joining us for the Dace Group, coming up some feedback Friday. If you want to let us know what you think about what we think, lots of ways you can do that. Email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D E A C E. Look for Steve Dace on Facebook, on We. That's the free speech alternative to Facebook Uh, on Gab. That's the free speech alternative to Twitter. Uh, You can also look for Steve Dace on YouTube, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show and check out Rumble, the free speech alternative to YouTube at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show as well um what else oh if you're a podcast listener we appreciate you please show your appreciation for us by hitting the subscribe button if you haven't yet and giving us a five-star review if you're yet to do that too because the more of those we get the more it helps the show to grow thanks to all of you who have done either one of those things for us already we appreciate the thousands of those five-star reviews that we have received also appreciate what this time of the day typically means for me time for a built bar, the best protein bar you have ever had bar none. See what I did there. See what I did there. Uh, It's Friday. I'm sorry. It was bad. Okay. But it's a really good protein bar. It is the best you ever had. Uh, It's better than uh, some candy bars you've had as well. Over 20 flavors, all covered in real chocolate fits any diet you're on right now, which you shouldn't be on a diet, but any lifestyle you're on right now. So if you're low carb, low fat, uh, you're counting calories. You're just trying to cut back on the sugar. Uh, 160 calories or less. 5 carbs or less. Uh, 5 grams of sugar or less. Up to 20 grams of protein in every bar. Some amazing flavors. Uh, you've just never had a protein bar this good. And you can try it right now if you've yet to give it a shot. Use my name. Dace as the promo code. Get 20% off when you go to BuiltBar.com. B-U-I-L-T. BuiltBar.com. B-U-I-L-T, Built Promo code Dace, and if Built Bar is listening, I am still waiting for my cookie dough built bars. I'm not. I'm not happy about that. Okay, I'm not. What? I'm unhappy. <laughs> Here, enough further. That's right. It's an it's it's, it's an an, indignant. I'm indignant about it. It's 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 it's, it's, it's just it's a travesty.
2: Boy, you've re- you've really built that flavor up,
1: Steve. I know. I better deliver. Built that flavor up. Oh, I see what you did. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't mention it was Friday. So you know I what like that means?
4: They've done nothing but please you so far, and now you're like taunting them. Like,
1: <laughs> come on, man! <laughs> it's never enough. It's never enough. Let's get to some feedback, Friday. You guys ready to go? Yes. Sure. Let's start with this one from another dude with a great name, Steve. He writes. Putting aside Section Two Hundred and Thirty, and for those of you that don't know, that's the code. Uh, what is that within? Um, is that within the FCC? I believe yep. that that grants immunity. Uh, that grants a special kind of immunity to social media companies. All right. Putting aside Section Two Hundred and Thirty and the whataboutisms is banning Trump and Parler really a denial of free speech? The right stands with the Colorado cake baker who denies service of making a cake for a gay wedding based on their beliefs, but won't stand with a social media company who denies service of their platform based on their beliefs. I think we need to ask ourselves, are we being hoisted by our own petard? Is our motive actually the denial of free speech or that our side's free speech is being denied? Instead of the right's bake the cake bigot, is this the left's version of, uh, or is this the left's version with post my comment, Marxist. The gay couple could go to another baker to get their cake, and Parlor is finding another company to host their site. It was not that gay couple's inalienable right to have the wedding cake done by that specific baker. It is not Trump's inalienable right to have his comments posted on Twitter or Facebook. I don't like the banning of Trump, Parler, and conservative voices, and I think it's very dangerous from a macro level. However, we know full well who these companies are yet. We helped make them the oligarchy. They are yet still, sh- and yet we are still shocked and outraged when they act like one. We knew it was going to happen, but we're not prepared that they did it. We were playing with fire and have been burned. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'd like your take. I think you are mixing apples and oranges there at yeah. the end. The part you have at the end, Steve, is totally different than um, the merit of whether or not there there's a hypocrisy here or a double standard. So the second part, the end part, is just your subjective take. We all have our own subjective take. I'll let you have yours. I have mine. I want to get to your point, though, in the bulk of your note about the objective facts of the particular cases here. Okay? First of all, we have a selective banishment with double standards. Um, there are other bakers who can who have relatively the same quality and reach, but that's not the case with big tech, uh, which has a monopoly. If Jack was o- the only baker, uh, he'd face antitrust problems. He wouldn't be allowed to be the only baker, Right? and then imagine if Jack Are said we sure <laughs> well now if Jack had the right politics he could be okay uh, but, but Jack could not be the only baker particularly if he was in control of the means of production for another baker to emerge meaning that uh, all the signs by which that you could possibly post your business he owned all of the ability to make those signs all of the pans by which that you would ever ever be able to actually bake a cake he owned all of the pans see where I'm getting at yeah. here so he owns all of the means of production Jack would not be permitted that for that as an antitrust issue um, also Christian Bakers and Florence uh, florists, they're not the ones who control the means of production for those who don't share their values to compete in that, in that space the way that big tech does so I think there's those are three major objections to your attempt at which I applaud to make sure we're not you know hoisting ourselves from our own petards as you put it to, to quote Shakespeare here and um, Here's the thing. Uh, The selective banishment with double standards is key. For example, if, if, if if someone had gone to Jack in Colorado and said, I want you to bake me a cake to celebrate my mistress. And he said yes. And then someone went to Jack and said, I want you to bake me a cake to celebrate my gay wedding. See where I'm going here? Mm-hmm. All right. Would that have harmed or hurt Jack's case before the court? Hurt. Why? Because he's applying different standards to different sins. Right. Because it makes it clear his argument is he's upholding his Christian conscience, right? Yeah. Okay. That he has a right to do that. That he's not anti-gay. That's what he's saying. He's saying hey, I'm not anti-gay. I've had homosexual customers, right? They're just asking me to promote a particular right a particular act when that, when associated with their behavior goes against my conscience. Right. Right. But if he violated that same thought in order to perform that, an equal service for someone that was also committing an act that we would all agree is in violation of that same Christian conscience. Right. Right. Then if he's making an exception for one and not the other, we would dutifully, if not logically come to the conclusion the Jack's real issue here is he just hates the gays, right? Could be, yeah. The Jack really doesn't have much of an issue with acting out sexually outside of marriage or anything of that nature. Just Jack's just got a thing for gay people. Just doesn't like him, right? Right. Right. Would that help his cause probably at the U.S. Supreme Court? Does he win that case five to four at the US Supreme Court if that's the case? It's less likely. L- less likely. That's what's going on here with big tech number one. Selective banishments. I mean, the Ayatollah Khomeini's on Twitter. That thing from the Chinese embassy about the uh, Ungar people sterilizing them, that that tweet they put out like three weeks ago, they just banned that this morning. Finally. It'd been up for three weeks. How many times retweeted? When we immediately jump on anything, uh, somebody they don't like has something to say about. What happened with the New York Post? I mean, we could, you know, to to quote Captain America, I can do this all day. I mean, we could do this with the double standard all day. And so, therefore, when when you openly espouse a double standard, openly, without shame, then you leave people, as as Jack would in the previous example that I gave, the baker in Denver, you leave people then with the notion that it's 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 the reverse of what the Supreme Court said when it when it when it. Um, it ruled for Jack a couple of years ago that the state of Colorado needed to find another reason why it was targeting this poor baker's refusal to perform these services other than it just doesn't like Christian morality. Remember that? Yeah. That that. what is your other reason? I mean, there's no other bakers you can go to nowhere else you can go. What's the reason we keep you keep going after this poor guy and he keeps going to the court? Because there another reason why you would force somebody to do something that they can get done somewhere else that doesn't object with this, other than you just are trying to impose your views upon Christians, right? That's what the court said. Right. That's what's going on here. If they were just lighting people on fire, no matter who violated their standards—right, right, left, R.D., pansexual, vegan, straight, white, homosexual, Caucasian, right. Your point, Steve, would have merit, but they're not doing that, are they? No. Now, this is very selective in its application, which makes it very clear, therefore, that this is really about going after those who uh, uh, push viewpoints that they don't agree with. Not about fact, not about truth, but about purely subjective means. If that's the case then they don't require any form of special kind of immunity and no other industry in America that I can think of. Can you think of guys think of one where you are given a special kind of immunity in order to enact double standards? I mean, if Jack, if Jack said, if Jack enacted those double standards, he'd be facing civil lawsuits he doesn't have a section 230 immunity so then why are you if they don't want to, if they want to do double standards it is their platform right it yes. is if they want to do double standards fine but then they're not immune from their from their own imposition of double standards you that's the point you can't have it both ways if they want to do double standards and say hey um you know fine then it, you know what it, we all know and it's out in the open but you don't get immunity. You, you, the New York Post doesn't does, see if, if if the New York Post says wrongfully that the New York Times is a publisher of fake news. What can the New York Times do to the New York Post? Sue them. But when Twitter says that the New York Post is a publisher of fake news, like when it when it published the true news of the scandalous behavior of one hundred Biden, what recourse does New York the New York Post legally have against Twitter? Answer is none because of section 230. So if they want to do double standards, they're welcome to. It's a free country. I believe in... Dude, I believe you have the freedom to be a hypocritical a-hole if you want. I I believe that. But you don't have the freedom to be um, immune, or you should not have the freedom to be immune of the legal consequences of such a thing. That's That's point number one. You wanted to address that? Well,
4: it's really important. This is why you can't divorce any conversation of 230 from this. Twitter would not be what it is today with the luxury of these grotesque double standards if it was not for the bait and switch early on if it wanted to have these double standards very early on and was just treated like a publisher mm-hmm. instead of insisting it was a platform would have never been tw- given it, 230 it would, and it never yes. would have been the Goliath it is today because yeah. no but, it was
1: given 230 so that it yes. could be free yes. to be free that's yes. why okay, but it would not if it from the beginning was going to be that this would have been this is a bait and switch yes. from the beginning if it was going to be we have a particular narrative that we're going to use to promote it would have never been given oh, bipartisan wow. immunity for that narr- for, for doing so
4: so it made promises it became the phone company which is your analogy and yes. it's a good one and now it wants to act as if that never happened it's, again i i'm at this point where i'm comfortable with private companies having all kinds of grotesque biases if they're just on about it and then the market can decide this is not. These are not market forces no, in not. play here,
1: which is why we're even beyond Section Two Thirty now. We're in an antitrust arena because as, because you can't just form your own anymore. They own all of the means of production, all of them. All right. And so that's why, as Todd alluded to, I have made the Ma Bell comparison many times. We broke up Ma Bell for less than this, and Ma Bell never said that they weren't going to put a phone line in your house because they didn't like the viewpoints that you were going to express while speaking into it on their time. All right. We'd have and, and would never even have been considered allowable if they did. If Ma Bell would have asserted something like that at any point prior to the early eighties, it would have been broken up prior to the early eighties. People would have said, uh no. No, we're not doing that. No, 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 you don't get to do that. We're going to break you up now. If they would have said that in 1927, Ma Bell would have been broken up in 1928. If Ma Bell would have said that in 1919, it would have been broken up in 1920. You know, The idea that they thought they could do that would, was never even... On the table, they were just broken up purely from an antitrust business perspective. But in this case, we have both of them. They are using the shield of Section 230 to claim immunity while they then get to single-handedly impose their narrative on you right. and thus brandish you as dangerous, fake, um, a liar. So they're, they're, not, they're not suable for libel or slander or any of that. All right? I've been accused by, of, of Facebook for the last six months of peddling fake news And, and they've openly told the public, I peddle fake news on science. The very same science that 48 hours ago, the World Health Organization verified was correct an hour after Joe Biden took the oath of office. I have no legal recourse against Facebook for labeling me as such a, as such a being in the public because for any for that form of defamation because they have section 230 so they have immunity from us pushing back on their claims and then they control all the means which they control all the means of production at the exact same time which none of these christian bakers or florists that were being accused of not performing services out of out of bigotry none of them could deny you or deny someone else a chance to take their place in the market google and big tech can they can do that Amen.
2: Yeah, and and just to can I underscore one one thing real quick? Uh, just to underscore, these are not market forces at work here. Let's turn the tables. Let's say there's a there's an atheist baker who won't bake a happy bar mitzvah or a happy baptism Sunday or whatever cake for you because you're Christian. And let's just pretend then that every other every other baker in the city that you're in, every other baker in the country will not do it for you because you're Christian. So you start your own bakery and you do it yourself. Now, it, it, it's expensive to start your own business at any level, but it's not undoable. It's not undoable to start your own bakery. Now, let's say the same thing is happening. Oh, it, it is happening right now. So you buy your own servers. You buy your own, uh, you start your own banking. You start your own payment processing service. You start your own merchandising system. You, put, start, you have to, the barrier to entry into the tech sphere is so much higher than it is to a widget, uh, like a, a consumable widget sphere like baking as well. So just to underscore Todd's force, the point, that these are not market forces at play here whatsoever. I wish it were, and I hope that market forces actually rebound on these companies, because I really don't want government to get involved necessarily with, well, what's free speech and what's hate speech, That's inevitably the road that it's going to go down if it goes into Section 230 world. I hope it's market forces and I hope it's antitrust in that order, but we'll see.
1: Matt writes, I'm a daily listener and I really appreciate your show for the data-driven analysis and your forward-thinking strategies. I'm a Christian who cares about the government of our nation and that our laws and policies reflect biblical ethics as much as possible in a pluralistic nation. But I have a question. I've heard a number of pastors in my denomination speaking out against Christian nationalism since the Capitol Hill riot. Would you please explain how you differentiate Christian nationalism from what you are doing when you talk about politics while quoting scripture and biblical principles? Where is the line between them. Um, I, I think that two things can be true at the exact same time. All right, I mean, I have been concerned, have mocked, scorned, ridiculed. I, I posted yesterday on all my socials that ridiculous photo of Biden and Kamala hugging while John McCain and John <laughs> Lewis and a couple of other people I don't remember looked down, smile from above, right? Okay. Was John McCain wearing a mask? <laughs> no, he was not. You know but you know what? It's their version of that ridiculous, stupid picture I often mocked of Jesus over looking, holding hold, uh, slouched over Trump's shoulder and holding his hand in the West Wing as he signs something into law from the the desk in the Oval Office. You guys remember that photo? mm -hmm. Okay. That's, to me, that is your Christian nationalism. But that level of ridiculousness, I've been involved, I have been involved in the organization of Christians in the political arena for going on two decades now. I'm just going to tell you that the percentage of that is not high. It just so happens that Trump did a masterful job of tapping into as much of that as he possibly could. And frankly, where you find a lot of that is with the TBN crowd. There's a reason why he attracted the Paula Whites of the world. That's where you find a lot of that stuff. Just Those those are audiences that um, for every show of orthodoxy on that channel, there's six or seven that don't. And so those are audiences that are already, the pump is already primed for mixing uh, orthodoxy with heterodoxy. Where everything they say about the gospel is true, but then they but then they 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 pervert the means to the end of the gospel, which is which is your transformation into becoming more like Christ, not your uh it's not a word, but it rhymes, prosperation. <laughs> okay, right? All right. So, but that that's that's not the majority of Christians who get involved in this process. The majority of Christians who get involved in this process, Matt, are people like you. That understand that he has set before us blessing and cursing. Life and death choose life so that you may live in the land. That, uh, you know, living according to the laws of nature and nature's God brings blessing. And disobeying those laws and disregarding them brings cursing. That That's it. Really. So... My my question back to you would be, has your pastor ever preached about Christian nationalism before? And if the answer is no, then chances are they just glommed on to a buzzword in the culture. Chances are they are just adamant to make a statement. I'm not like those people. Yep. I'm not like them. I'm better than them. I'm not the Christian you don't like. Okay. Because if they weren't concerned about those, you know, a whole bunch of Christians, I was one of them. We thought it was a good thing to go in and preemptively kill a whole bunch of Iraqis to find no weapons of mass destruction. Remember that one? Yep. Yep. I was one of them. I thought it was a good idea. I believe we had weapons of mass destruction. They didn't. Were they concerned? When? Okay. So we didn't get eighty-one percent. He got like seventy-nine. I think it was seventy-nine percent of the white evangelical vote is what George W. Bush got in two thousand and four. Was your pastor pre? Were your pastors preaching about white? Christian uh, nationalism then when we all thought preemptive war was okay for the first time that ended up being the worst most heinous foreign policy decision in the history of this country where were the sermons about where was Beth Moore's concern about Christian nationalism then. Oh, I know. George W. Bush didn't cheat on his wife, didn't tag a porn star 15 years ago, never said something stupid on Twitter. So it was totally cool that he bombed a bunch of Iraqi children into smithereens to find no WMDs, right? That's the game. Is mm-hmm. that the, aren't the, aren't the, yeah. Isn't that the game? That's the game. So if, 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 this sounds to me like we're just glomming on to buzzwords. Don't know what in the Sam Hill we're talking about. That's what it sounds like to me, but I could be wrong. I, I,
4: I think what's happening here is very clear. The the people drunk on using Christian nationalism are guilty of something we talk about on this show all the time. They're guilty of the very thing that they're accusing others of. The Christian nationalism isn't the problem. Pagan nationalism he is the program. problem, <laughs> which and they've David, probably
1: never confronted from the pulpit. I would imagine. No,
4: and David French is happily preaching it in the form of drag queen story hour. Is the price of freedom, which is why he is one of the biggest users of Christian nationalism to cover up his complicity exactly in that. That's exactly right.
1: Now, listen. If you have, if you go to a church where they have confronted the things like that in the past, and then they and then they looked at what happened on January sixth, and said, "All right, man, like Dickie V, we got to get a to baby." Take a, Everybody take a deep breath here. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Now, I have a different reaction to that guy. That guy just has some legitimate concerns. Maybe he thought this thing's gone a little too far. We need to kind of take a chill pill. That's a different conversation to, I never address the pagan nationalism. And I don't really talk about politics at all because, you know, we're, we're about that. And then I just suddenly show up one Sunday with a sermon about it. That, no, no, no. But if you're talking about somebody who has navigated these roads before and now is is concerned that this one moment went too far and he wants to draw a line, that's a different situation.
2: You know, what I've noticed is um, this country, the further and further, the further and further we become a whitewashed tomb, the more we really, really, really like it when those whitewashed tombs hold political office, because it doesn't make us doesn't make
1: us feel bad. They just. Right. There's a sense of normalcy here. Right. Hmm. Uh, Next. This is from Jorge Fernandez, who says, I learned this very fast during the months of June, uh, August and September as I visited several states. A state is not as important as what I like to call a corner or finding a nook. What I mean what I mean by that is avoiding cities as well as hip towns and neighborhoods. No matter what state the cities and the trendy towns and neighborhoods are to be avoided. I live in South Florida. I can tell you that Hillsdale, Michigan was way more free than Miami Fort, the Miami Fort Lauderdale Fort Lauderdale area I live in. You would think that with having Whitmer and the uh, with one state having Whitmer and the other DeSantis as governors, it wouldn't be close. But the same thing when I visited Montana. Uh, if you're in a city, it was way more relaxed than if you're in a or if if you're in the rural area, it was way more relaxed than if you visited a hip town like Whitefish. It boils down to the people of the area. The more urban, the more tyrannical. So if you spot too many BMWs and Teslas, beware. That's him saying it's not as easy as people just moving to other states. But even within these states, you're going to find areas where they're totally given over to the mm-hmm. progressive religion. And he's exactly right about that. I mean, we see it in our state. We have 99 counties. And basically, we have five counties that are a completely different country than like the other 90 to 95 yes. counties. Is that fair? Absolutely. They're like 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 not like like a different country. Like a different solar system, ecosystem, everything. And then there's the other 90 counties in Iowa, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. One of my best friends. Sorry, I keep uh, chiming ch- ch- in here just to illustrate right. that. One of my best friends just moved it's to allowed. one of those five counties. Oh, did he? Okay. And you know how if you if you live in a place for a certain amount of time, like I lived in Minnesota for five years. I started to have the northern accent, don't you know? You know, I started to, to have that <laughs> accident. As far as the worldview goes, he's starting to have a little bit of a worldview accent that I've noticed as well, just to underscore your point. So Uh, I think that's
1: a Bad company corrupts good character. Elizabeth writes... After giving it much thought, I think there's a real possibility that the recent turnabout and vaccine distribution strategy may be the start of a greater move towards seizing private businesses. I do not base this on insider information, but just on consideration of the facts at hand. The recent change in policy from holding the second dose of the vaccine back to releasing all the doses makes no sense. The second dose is held to ensure those who receive the first are able to complete the full course to receive the benefit from the vaccine as tested in clinical trials. Releasing all doses without any. Ensuring adequate supply to complete the second round does accomplish the following, though one temporarily placates those who voice displeasure at not being considered a priority for receiving their dose first or two, sets up for angry people down the road when they do not have access to the second dose of the vaccine. With manufacturers publicly admitting they cannot produce vaccine as quickly as they first anticipated, this sets up the perfect scenario for a government power grab. As demands for the vaccine grow, government officials will have to have the perfect scapegoat by blaming the drug companies for not being able to deliver what the people need. When the, with the stated goal of creating public and private partnerships, that's government-controlled companies, how long before the cries go out that the government needs to take over the drug manufacturers in order to ensure the public is served? It's so transparent these things are, it's frightening. Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth, whether you're right about this particular uh, application or not, you're connecting the dots in the way that any discerning American should. Should. This is how self-government works. I mean, what was the point of the public option in Obamacare? The point of the public option was to full-on destabilize the private healthcare market by offering people a cheap government alternative that they could afford and therefore would just buy instead. But by putting the public option in there, it made it so obvious what the point of Obamacare was that they couldn't get it passed, not even with total democratic control of Congress. They couldn't get it passed. So Obama had to agree to take the public option out because it was so obvious the play that was being made. It didn't take much to connect the dots at all. So anytime government gets involved, what I see you doing, Elizabeth, is you're trying to figure out what's the real reason this is happening and then what's the right or the stated reason. So, yeah. Now, I don't, whether this is, that's how this turns out or not. And, and by the way, I think a lot of these drug manufacturers would be just totally fine taken over by government. I think that's maybe where I would push back on you just a little bit, Elizabeth, in that you're still defending private industry. Most big corporations don't believe in private industry anymore. They're run by leftists. So I, that's that's why that's why in 1993, private health insurance spent millions of dollars going stopping Hillary Care, and in 2009 were nowhere to be found stopping Obamacare because there was a generational change. Private industry recognized that Hillary Care was going to take them out of the marketplace in 1993. In 2009, they were like, hey, government's going to just give us total control of the marketplace if we just do what it says. We're in. That's the difference. So I'm not, I, don't, I don't know that Big Pharma necessarily cares. They're fine being taken over. They're going to make their money. And then they get to blame government when you don't like the product. More in a moment.
0: So that the world may know, this is Steve Days.
1: Hey, if you've not tried Brooker's Founding Flavors, you are missing out on some of the best ice cream you've ever had in your life. If you like, like that Ben & Jerry super premium, chunky style of ice cream, but you didn't want to give money to communists, I mean, that's not a name call. They're openly communists. Well, the good news is you don't have to do that anymore, and this ice cream is actually better. If you like, it's the greatest chocolate ice cream I've ever tried. It's like it's like all of the batter and topping and frosting and a death by chocolate cake turned into an ice cream. That's what their chocolate ice cream is like. The chocolate peanut butter is just loaded with gobs of chocolate and peanut butter. This is phenomenal stuff. A a ton of different flavors um, made with the best ingredients, but all with a patriotic founding of the country theme to it that teaches uh, some good patriotic lessons as well. And if you want to get this just in time for Valentine's Day, you've done candy and all those other things, try something new. You're not going to regret it. It's some of the best ice cream you've ever had. Go to brookersicecream.com. Brookers, just like it sounds. B-R-O-O-K-E-R, brookersicecream.com. Click on the nationwide or the Ship Nationwide tab. Click on the Ship Nationwide tab. Thick, creamy ice cream, rich gourmet ingredients. It's it's just great stuff, man. All right, brookersicecream.com. Click on the Ship Nationwide tab. All right, Let's get back to Feedback Friday. This is from Sean who says, I live in the infamous Wayne County, Michigan, and I love Ikea like you love Costco, but that has all changed. My wife and three kids, uh, two twins that are two and a half and a newborn who's eight months old, we went to Ikea to make a few purchases. We expected the typical mass crap we get everywhere here in Michigan, but Ikea took it to a different level. It was lunchtime and we hadn't eaten We figured we'd enter the checkout area so we can get a hot dog at the cafe stand. A worker physically blocked the entrance and asked us if we were returning an item or picking up an order. Standing in the cold, we said we just wanted to get a hot dog. He said no. Only customers making a return or picking up an order could enter, and we had to go to the main entrance because of COVID. Okay, fine, whatever, but that wasn't it after shopping for a few minutes my wife pulled out a bag of trail mix she lowered her mask and before the bag of trail mix reached her mouth a worker came running up to her got in her face and scolded her to put her mask back up i told the worker obviously she was eating you can't do that with a mask on the worker then began mouthing off to me saying we shouldn't be bringing outside food into their building anyway here's the point of my email with ikea being a swedish company Don't you think that they would have the most relaxed mask policy? Sure, abide by the state and local regulations, but the overzealous brown shirt-like enforcement of extra regulations makes no sense. Why are they the most mask hostile environment I've entered the last nine months when their headquarters already from Sweden knows that masks don't work? I love IKEA, but I am done with them. That is from Sean. So uh, you mentioned, Aaron, that you went to Costco a couple of weeks ago and ran into a woman that was acting like she wasn't going to ring you up. Yeah. Unless you raised your mask. Yep. I think we ran into the same woman. Really? Yeah. What, was she shorter? Yes. Yeah. Do you think I raised my mask? No. No, I just, I didn't. Did you jostle it? No. Yeah. No. I just sat there. I didn't say anything. And Amy's kind of getting nervous because she doesn't want the confrontation. I'm like, Honey. You you made that decision when you said yes twenty five years ago. If you don't like confrontation, you married the wrong dude. Okay, for that number one. Um, but no, no. I mean, I didn't get mad. I just, I just. I mean, we, we can put them. You guys can put them all back then, I guess. But no, no. I it, I had a guy walk up to me and say, "Hey, I know they slipped down sometimes, and so we needed to go above your nose." I just looked at him and just walked away. And it's funny how my wife still, after all these years, does not understand. I'm not going to comply with stupidity. I've already met them enough by covering my mouth. Um, And it's not even that I mind covering my nose. It just fell down. So that tells me that you were just looking for an excuse to come up and say something to me. You know what I'm saying? Like if I walked in with it not covering my nose, that would be one thing, right? Mm -hmm. But I didn't walk in like that. So you were bending over and grabbing stuff and loading up the cart. It just fell down. So you were looking for an excuse to come say something to me. So my answer is bleep no. No, no, that's my answer. No, it's not. And I don't mind. Just tell me to leave. Cool. You can put all my stuff away and I'll just leave. No is my answer. No.
4: These are terrible people.
1: Yes, they are. Daniel says, like you, I have been pondering. Why people who value their freedoms don't just say no to all the COVID-19 tyranny. I believe that at, the least, that at least part of the answer can be found in Proverbs 22.7, where it says, The borrower is the slave of the lender. We are a debt-ridden society, and most people are more afraid of losing their job than losing their freedoms. Their job allows them to keep paying off the stuff they borrowed money to acquire. We love our stuff, frankly, more than we love our freedom. As long as we are allowed to keep our stuff, I'm not sure there's any amount of tyranny we won't tolerate. Thank you for continuing to speak the truth. Mm -hmm. I think he's exactly right. And it's why I have been saying since we got back at the first of the year, we're all that's standing right now between America and this country becoming another consumer-driven, neo-Marxist, statist, authoritarian state like China. That's That's what the Chinese figured out after the blowback from Tiananmen Square. They figured out... Just give the people what they want. You know what they want? Indulgences and really not to have to consider the existential um, uh, consequences of their fate. So give them, give them American pop culture. Give them movies. Give them technology. Just, you know, um, put a gun to the head of the church and force it into the sewers underground. And a lot of the people provided that they're placated with creature comforts above ground won't even ask where the church went. That's the that's what the shy comms figured out, and that is what your spirit of the age leftists in America are now trying to emulate as we speak.
4: Yeah, they'll, they'll risk nothing. I told you about the the masks in the soccer club. I'm my my daughters are in, and almost every family is their their kids are playing soccer with masks on. And all it would have taken was all the parents together say, "No, we're not doing that." What are you going to
1: do about it? But if
4: they didn't. I don't think that even crossed their mind. I don't even think it crossed their mind.
1: Aaron, what do you think about about what Daniel had to say? <sighs> yeah,
2: i i i think I think debt is probably a a bigger deal <laughs> than what we what we want to make of it for the cause of America's, uh, America's decline. Uh, there's a reason why that's an entire chapter in, in the book that we've been g- going through on, mm-hmm. on Thursdays. Um, but I, I agree that if you give people enough widgets, um, if you give them a chew toy like a dog, they'll sit. If you give them a treat like a dog, they'll woof. Um, that's what the shy comms have figured out. And we live, there's a reason, there's a reason why we have all this debt, is because inherently, yeah, we need that boat. Yeah, we need the extra room. Yeah, we need the extra stall in the garage. We're materialistic. So they figured out a long time ago that you can be bought off with stuff. So I think that's, I think that's um, the the, uh, ChiCom version of uh, communistic materialism uh, that's, that's coming to these shores and probably already is. There,
1: there's an old story about Stalin that in front of his high command once they come in for a meeting he's got a chicken with him and, 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 and they've all got their excuses about why the five year plans are behind schedule and they're meeting resistance from the people And in front of him, Stalin starts rips off a lot of the feathers of this chicken, brutally, just with his bare hands. The chicken is yelping. And these people are, I mean, these people in his cabinet, for lack of a better description, they're like aghast, right? At this level of barbarism. And a few minutes later, he starts feeding the chicken. Right after he ripped its feathers off, he starts feeding the chicken. And he gets up to walk around. What did the chicken do? Follow him. Followed him. And he looked at his he looked at his high command, and he said, "Fill people's bellies, and there's no amount of tyranny they won't tolerate." That's what the shy comms figured out. They were they they realized that Mao's tactics led to resistance, led to pushback. The Soviets didn't realize that until it was too late. Uh, It's possible that if Gorbachev had come to power 10 years earlier, there'd still be a Soviet Union. But they were still wasting money on May Day parades and Afghanistan and everything else. So by the time he went to perestroika, by the time he went to modernization and let the outside world in, it was already too late. Economically, the goose there was cooked, right? Mm -hmm. China realized this before they became an economic power. This is how they became an economic power. They realized this about human nature, and that's what led to their ascendancy. The Soviets didn't realize this until it was too late. They, they, they tried to keep the people down for too long. The Chinese realized, just let them up a little bit, and they'll be totally fine with not, going up all the, not getting up all the way. They'll be fine with it. They won't know any better, and they'll just keep coming back for more. That's where we are now. That's what today's Western leftists are trying to emulate that in real time. Philip Thompson wants to know any thoughts you guys could share regarding the fact that on Inauguration Day, Amazon offers its distribution network for the COVID-19 vaccine. Not the day before, not the week before, not the day after, not the day of.
2: It's a miracle. I wouldn't read into, into that Don't read too any much. into
1: it, yes. I love that. Um... You know what yeah I'm gonna say it let me say this though first okay spoonful of sugar that will help the medicine go down but and I mean it okay I'm not I'm not saying this to be a smart ass what I'm about to say I'm not happy it's true it just is I know it's not fair it's not equitable It shouldn't be this way in a just world. Unfortunately, we're not in a just world, so it is. Okay? It shouldn't be this way, what I'm about to say. But it is. And we can whine about that and rail about it, but then we kind of become like those leftists we complain about that have their projection of how reality should be as opposed to what it is. And we just make up a new gender, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We can't do our own version of right-wing magical thinking. We have to just acknowledge the world for what it is and then, and then strategize how to win within the, the rules that are before us, okay? So with that disclaimer that what I'm about to say sucks and is unfair, mm-hmm. it still needs to be said because it's true. This is why we have to really be we have to really nominate and elect candidates who can do the things they say. Not just talk about them like Trump tweeted, but do them. Because there's there's no incentive for the system to make one of our guys successful. Is it more or less likely that Donald Trump gets reelected. If he manages COVID better. And listens to Debbie Burks and Anthony Fauci less. Far more. Far more. All these major corporations with, a, with, with limited exceptions. Were they interested in. And supportive of Donald Trump's reelection. It appears not. It appears not. So let us take the next step in our, in, our, in our thinking, right? Therefore, they're not going to do it of their own free will. They're not going to volunteer it. You're going to have to be really good at this. Surround yourself with good people. Realize that you're, if you are an outsider, you got to bring in a government of outsiders. You got to create your own, I keep using this buzzword now, ecosystem essentially. Because the system in place isn't going to help you. He didn't do that and walked right into this trap. That's a mistake we can't make in the future. You want to send people an outsider and they better do the kinds of things you're seeing Ron DeSantis do in Florida. They better actually govern on that stuff. Because if they don't, man, don't step to... You know what? It's one of my original Ten Commandments of political warfare. Never attack Which you're not willing to kill. The last couple of years in office, particularly this past year, Trump violated that commandment repeatedly, and it's the number one reason he's not president now. Because it set into motion the mail order, mail-in voting scam that ended up being his undoing. Final thing. Tell you about rough greens if you want to do something special for your pet. You know, they love the walks, they love the hugs, they love the cuddles, they love the treats, but they also really need uh, nutrition because a lot of that is missing from your pet's food vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, probiotics, omega oils, the kinds of things that help your pet's health. Not in their food, stripped out for long shelf life, mass consumption. Same thing happens to our food. That's why we take so many supplements these days. Your dog needs them now, too. All right? So that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's a powder. With all that good stuff, you mix it in your dog's food. Apparently, it tastes great because our dog, Cap, absolutely loves this stuff. And you can get the Rough Greens Jumpstart bag today for just $14.95 and start the process of getting your dog healthier and happier. So if you want to see your dog thrive even better than they have before, Go to Rough Greens, R-U-F-F, that's roughgreens.com slash blaze, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Get the jumpstart bag for just $14.95. We're going to stick around after the show here and do our best and worst of the week in the overtime before we say adios. We're gone Monday and Tuesday. Aaron's gone all of next week, heading out in a long-deserved but delayed honeymoon, so congratulations to you and Mrs. McIntyre. Todd, you and I will have Monday and Tuesday off, but then we're going to spend the rest of the week doing the show live from Texas, where we might be able to get some of our uh, Blaze contemporaries and peers to join us down there in person, so that should be fun. My first trip there, I'm looking you've forward not, to you've it. You've not seen the facility yet, have you? never been uh, there. He is in, he's in for a treat, is he not, Aaron? Yeah. Well, no, I haven't. You haven't I, seen it either? I know. Uh, you, I thought you'd been down there. No, I. that was way before we were with the Blaze. Oh. Yeah. So you have not seen. Oh, no. Central Command. No. Down there. Wow. Yeah, this facility they have down there. It's going to make you reconsider relocating to go to work there instead every day. Talk to me. It's it's a hell of a facility. So Aaron, enjoy. the will do. Brother. We'll do. All right. For the rest of you, we will see you again on Wednesday. Um, yeah. Until then, John three seventeen.
0: Listening to Steve Dace
3: on the Blaze Radio Network.